do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. This is David Shoemaker, and I'd like to welcome you to Living Thelema. Now, this is an episode that I've been contemplating doing for a long time, uh, partly because we've had requests for it, and partly because it's just been on my mind as uh, as somebody who does a lot of teaching, uh, who works with several magical orders that operate along traditional lines in terms of uh, training and, and testing and teaching. Um, so this episode is going to focus on what you should look for, what you should avoid, what you should think about when you are trying to find a teacher, a magical teacher for yourself, or a magical order to join. I'd like to begin by reading from Crowley's Liber Causae, which is a foundational document of AA. And there's a justification in here that underpins, I think, uh, much of the work that Crowley did later in terms of the utility of having a teacher, of having a system. And we'll go into a lot more detail on this, but uh, let's just hear what Crowley himself had to say about it in the very first few lines of this book. In the beginning was initiation. The flesh profiteth nothing, the mind profiteth nothing, that which is unknown to you and above these, while firmly based on their equilibrium, giveth life. In all systems of religion is to be found a system of initiation, which may be defined as the process by which a man comes to learn that unknown crown. Though none can communicate either the knowledge or the power to achieve this, which we may call the great work, it is yet possible for initiates to guide others. Every man must overcome his own obstacles, expose his own illusions, yet others may assist him to do both, and they may enable him altogether to avoid many of the false paths, leading no whither, which tempt the weary feet of the uninitiated pilgrim. They can further ensure that he is duly tried and tested, for there are many who think themselves to be masters who have not even begun to tread the way of service that leads thereto. Now, I should immediately add that I am fully aware that we learn from all kinds of people and all kinds of experiences all the time. Um, we should approach life as a, a situation where we can learn from anyone we encounter. We learn from our students, our children, our friends, our spouses, our parents, um, of course, our actual teachers in school and so on. So teachers in this broad sense are around us all the time. That's not what I'm talking about today. <laughs> you can always learn from anybody, but what I'm talking about today is finding a formal teacher within a Thelemic organization or even a non-Thelemic organization that is focused on training and testing of specific skills in magic and mysticism. This is a specific category of teacher and of school, uh, and that is our focus today. But I did want to put that caveat out there in terms of learning from anyone and everything, because it's certainly true. Another caveat uh, with regard to OTO specifically, uh, as many of you know, I've been involved in, in OTO and other magical orders for decades and have found um, an incredible amount of value in the OTO system, as have a lot of other people. Uh, some have said over the years that the OTO is not a teaching order. Um, I really disagree with that. Uh, it's an incredibly powerful system with important lessons to teach, but it does teach in a different fashion um, via initiation rituals, informal classes, 
um, but not a formal curriculum in the same sense as the AA or Golden Dawn derived orders and so on. You don't have an assigned teacher in OTO in the same sense that you have these other orders. It's not a guru cella system. There's no single person other than yourself who is personally responsible for your spiritual progress. So for those reasons, as valuable as OTO is as a teaching system, it's not the kind of teaching system that we're focusing on here today. So I'm not really going to be talking about OTO today. Um, The essential characteristic of a true training order or school, mystery school, whatever term you want to apply to it, that we're talking about it today, in the sense we're talking about it today, is uh, that the basic tools of magic and mysticism are taught and tested from the foundations to advanced practices. In other words, it really is a school. Um, So I want to emphasize something that probably shouldn't have to be emphasized, but over the years I've found it does need to be emphasized, um, perhaps because a lot of magicians um, do have some issues with authority sometimes. Uh, schools have teachers, and schools teach certain approaches to certain things. If you want to learn without a teacher, and if you want to learn in a way that doesn't follow along with a certain traditional approach or a certain line of instruction, don't join the school. I am mystified and and have been for quite some time by people who approach uh, some of the orders I've been involved in. And uh, it doesn't happen that often, but occasionally you get somebody who, who, who wants to join up, but kind of do it their way, which is a little strange. If you think about you're applying to uh some sort of uh, technical training school and you show up and you they give you the textbook and you say, uh, well, thanks for the textbook, but I'm going to pay you to go to school here. Meanwhile, I'm just going to ignore what you're saying and learn it my way and, and not bother with your way. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't bother doing that. You wouldn't apply to that school. And if you tried to do it, you wouldn't succeed in that school. So um, if you don't want what the school or the teacher has to offer, don't don't sign up for it. Don't join. Um, but if you do want that, if you do want training in context of a certain tradition, uh, if you're drawn to a certain specific teacher for, for whatever reason, maybe you've read their stuff, maybe you know them personally, whatever, uh, then by all means investigate. And so one of the things that I'm going to start by talking about today is what to look for in a potential teacher. And then also, uh, after that, we'll talk about how to evaluate a potential uh, order or school that you're investigating. So, uh, and no particular order here, uh, some of the things to look for in a potential teacher. Did they have a formal teacher in the tradition that they're functioning in? Um, In other words, if they are portraying themselves as an expert in a particular approach, who'd they learn it from? Now, self-initiation and self-instruction, self-study are incredibly important, but you're not really a teacher in a tradition if you have not learned a tradition from someone. So um, did, who was their teacher? They should be able to tell you, even if it's just a magical motto, they should be able to indicate that there is some sort of 
um, line of teachers that they're functioning within. What tradition are they following? Uh, does that tradition have a clear documented connection to Crowley or the Thelemic tradition broadly as in AA or back to, say, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, if it's a Golden Dawn-derived order that you're investigating. Now, these historical connections are another thing that aren't necessarily important to, to everyone when they're looking for a magical order or for a teacher. But um, again, if you're, if you're really wanting to find something that flows out of a tradition, you got to make sure it's actually flowing out of that tradition and not just saying it's doing so. So they should be able to tell you about their teacher. They should be able to tell you uh, and preferably show you on paper um, the line of teacher-to-student relationships that goes back to the founders of the tradition. In AA, we have um, paper documentation of all the uh, oaths of the probationer going back, for example, from my teacher, Phyllis Seckler, back all the way to Crowley teacher to student, teacher to student. Um, so um, you, you want to ask about this sort of documentation if your intention is to find an order that has that kind of history, that has that real um, earthly uh, historical connection. Again, for some people, I don't care about that. That's fine. Um, other questions to wonder about and ask about and investigate for a potential teacher uh, did their teacher review their work specifically? Were, were their diaries submitted and read by their teacher? Did that teacher evaluate their ritual performance and test them in ways that you can't test yourself? It's one of the advantages of being in a system. Certain things you just can't test yourself on. As Crowley said in Liber Causae, that it is possible, I'm paraphrasing, it is possible for initiates to guide others to avoid some of the pitfalls that come from uh, self-initiation and self-study. Again, back to how to evaluate a teacher. How long have they been teaching? How long have they been taking personal students? Those are two different things. You find a lot of people who have been teaching a class here and there since their early 20s or whatever. But how long have they been taking one-to-one -one personal students in the tradition that they claim to be operating within? Do they have life experience? And I don't just mean chronological age, but life experience which informs their teaching and brings with it an emotional and intellectual maturity. If you feel that you are more emotionally and intellectually mature than the person you're approaching as a teacher, you're less likely to benefit from that relationship. Uh, and furthermore, if someone comes across as emotionally or intellectually immature, if they don't seem to have life experience, which, uh, as I say, informs their teaching, then, um, you know, that's, that's kind of a red flag for their credibility as, as a teacher. And then, of course, look for basic personality matching. Um, would you want to hang out with this person socially? Do you want them in your house? 
Are you comfortable around them or do they kind of creep you out? Pay attention to your brain, your heart, and your intuition in this and don't ignore red flags. I, I understand that magic, believe me, I understand that magical training is not a place you go for comfort. Um, this stuff is hard. Being tested and challenged on certain practices is difficult. Having to repeat things that you thought you had mastered, but turns out you didn't, that's difficult. This is not a place of comfort all the time. But you shouldn't be blatantly uncomfortable with the person you might be working with as a teacher. If you're getting that queasy feeling in the stomach, if the person is just a little creepy, or if, if you just uh, don't see yourself relaxing into a teacher-student relationship with them, then that's an important data um, that you want to consider. Now let's turn to things to look for in a potential school or magical order. Um, some of these are probably fairly obvious, but others perhaps not. Um, how is the teaching and training accomplished? What are the methods, in other words? Um, some schools and orders, such as Temple of the Silver Star, the one that uh, one of the ones I administer, um, it's a Thelemic Golden Dawn patterned order. And teaching is accomplished, teaching and training is accomplished through group ritual, regular attendance at group ritual, through individual daily practices, through keeping a diary and submitting that diary and having it evaluated. Um, so you want to you know, find out the specifics of how someone is going to train you and how they're going to test you on what they've trained you to do. Um, Find out if diaries are looked at. Find out how diaries are um, treated. Uh, what's the confidentiality policy? Who has access to them? Uh, are they permanently kept or are they returned? Um, these are important questions that bear on your privacy, of course, and uh, uh, good things to ask about. Um, how is testing accomplished? So, again, using Temple of the Silver Star as a reference point, um, we're testing people on their performance of individual rituals. We're testing them on their knowledge base. There's some written tests and reports and such. Um, we're testing them informally by watching their ritual performance and their um, how they carry themselves, how is their energetic work in the temple, and so on. Similarly, in AA, uh, there are well-documented tests that go along with the system. So... For example, in the neophyte grade of AA, um, you know, the, the initiate is working on building their competence with the body of light, the astral body, and so on, working with astral projection and scrying and, and such. And so there are certain tests that are put in place to make sure that they're uh, gaining competence in that. And no one passes forward until the, there is demonstrated competence. This is another difference between training orders in the sense we're talking about them today and um, other systems like, like the OTO in the sense that um, advancement only happens when certain magical or mystical competencies are established. Uh, you simply don't move through the system without gaining those competencies, and that can only be accomplished if you have testing in place. Um, so 
if you look at someone in AA and they tell you that they're a zealotor, in other words, they've passed through the grade of neophyte, that means they've been tested on their work with the body of light. Um, so a grade or a degree, depending on how it's termed in the system, actually means something. It means something about that person's attainment. And it's not something that they can just wear like a badge because they have hung around for a while or paid somebody to advance or whatever. Really important in terms of understanding how a particular order or school is structured. Um, similarly, questions again to ask about the school. Um, just like we were asking about the teacher, uh, what's their historical lineage or connection? You know, who was their teacher? Who was their teacher's teacher? And so on. Um, what is the school's connection to a tradition? Is this, in fact, a order that has uh, documentable uh, historical connections to a, a larger tradition? In the Temple of the Silver Star, we can trace our um, heritage back through a number of predecessor orders that go all the way back to the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. I can tell you the chain of initiators, um, starting with my initiator back through his and all the way back to Mather's. So these things are important if you feel that the historical connection is important for your training. Again, there's plenty of people that just don't care at all about that. They're going to gain what they gain um, outside of any historical connections or traditional connections, and that's fine. Uh, but just know what you're getting into and don't let yourself be misled that those historical connections are there if they're not. Um, another thing that goes with that is there are certain advantages to having these traditions worked and um, enhanced and revised and, and such over many decades or longer. It's a living tradition that way. Um, when you have a hundred years or more of magical groups actually functioning and working the system and adding papers and, and practices and removing some and stripping away outdated stuff and removing, you know, sexist language or removing um, old aeon based um, baggage. When you have people actively working a living system and it's plugged into the, the current, then you have a, a different kind of experience working that system. There's, a, there's a, a momentum, a sort of a spiritual weight to it that just isn't there with some new startup group most of the time. That is not to denigrate a new startup group. It's just a different thing, and there's certain things it's not going to have. Um, probably make the reverse argument. There's some things a traditional system are not going to have. Maybe it's too easy to get weighed down by tradition and not be open to new things. That's entirely possible. Um, so another question, what happens at the meetings of this group? Uh, is it group ritual? Is it just class? Um, is attendance at the meetings required? How often does, do they meet? Uh, oh, what are the dues? 
are their dues? And what are they? Where does that money go? What does it pay for? Um, are, are there any salaried employees? Is this a nonprofit? Is, uh, you know, what's the structure of the, the organization? Um, if you get the sense that the representatives of the group you're investigating are not willing or interested in talking about these details, that itself is a red flag. You want some transparency here. Uh, and if you're, for example, paying dues, you want to know where that money's going and, and so on. Um, if you get a chance, talk to rank and file members of the organization, not just to its leaders. Or, you know, at least attend some meetings if there's some that are open to the public and get a vibe for, try to get the vibe of, of the, um, the interaction. And, you know, do these members seem well-adjusted? Do they seem like people you'd want to hang out with? If you feel, if you would feel uncomfortable with these potential brothers or sisters in your home, um, then why would you want to enter into what may be a fairly intense group mind or group ritual experience, um, with them? So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty basic, um, human relations stuff. You know, you want to feel comfortable. You want to feel like these are healthy people that you're hanging around with. Do they seem well-adjusted, balanced, and open? Are their outer lives suggestive of ability to manage life on earth? You know, if they can't do that, um, it calls into question whether they can handle things in more subtle ways like magical energy and so on. Um, now, this is kind of a, an interesting point to make and a, a difficult point to make. But remember that in, in terms of the kind of magical orders we're talking about today and the kind of teachers we're talking about, you're joining a school and it's a privilege, not a right. Uh, the teachers teacher or teachers, are going to know what is in their system. You don't know what is in their system with any detail, with the possible exception of AA where a lot of the material is published. But you still don't know how they're implementing it. You still don't know what uh, revisions or uh, um, potentially unorthodox practices have crept into the, the group even if the material is published. So um, my main point here is that they know what's in the system and you don't. You may think you do. You may know a good bit of it, but the authority on the system is going to be the people in the system. And they will therefore, if, if they're uh, ethical and administering their system in a fair way, they'll have a better sense of whether it's a good fit for you than you do. Um, don't take it personally if you're not accepted for admission. Uh, it's very likely to be an issue of matching of the student and the system. And again, the experts on what's in the system are going to be those people running the system. Uh, so try not to take that as a, as a personal rejection uh, if it doesn't work out. Uh, there may be any number of other groups that are a better fit for you. And if, if in fact... A group is not going to be a good fit. Um, you're saving yourself a lot of time and energy by finding one that is a good fit. 
So um, what about self-study and self-initiation? Interestingly, um, you probably are aware that I'm a psychologist and a psychotherapist. Interestingly, I think a lot of the, the issues around self-study and self-initiation mirror what we can ponder in terms of self-therapy versus therapy with an actual uh, outer therapist, an actual second individual in the room. Um, what I mean by that is that in, in therapy, you know, we can learn about ourselves all kinds of ways. We should be. We better be. Um, analyzing ourselves, um, trying to learn from life experience, getting wiser, you know, just moving through life. But um, there is something unique about sitting in a room with a therapist who is not you, who is looking at you and your life and your, your, you know, your inner and outer life and reflecting on it with you. There's something unique to be gained there. Just so there's all kinds of amazing stuff you can do with self-study and self-initiatory experience. But there is something unique to be gained by doing it in a tradition. There is something unique to be gained by doing it in the context of trained magicians in that system. And you can't get that elsewhere. That won't appeal to everyone. It's not all there is, but there is value in it. And for those who value that, um, I strongly encourage you to seek it out. And that's why I've done this podcast, um, this particular episode. So um, I'm going to leave it here. I hope that these have been some useful questions and things to ponder. Um, and uh, as, as always, if you have particular questions for me, um, I'm happy to, uh, to respond via email if you write to me at david at livingthelima.com. Also, I've mentioned a couple orders here that, that I administer. If you'd like to find out more about the teaching and training options in the Temple of the Silver Star... You can find out more information at totss.org. And if you'd like more information about training in AA, you can find it at onestarinsight.org. So I hope this has been helpful and interesting for you. Um, thank you, as always, for your attention and your support. Um, it's been uh, quite a journey these past several years, and I look forward to uh, sharing many more with you as we go forward. Love is the law, love under will.